three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Vikings game coming up on Sunday in just a second, plus brand new interview today with Dan Wiederer. A Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Tribune and a contributor to 670 The Score. We talked with him extensively about this Bears team, Justin Fields, the Bears-Vikings game this weekend, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglula. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Want to start today with this. It's usually a given every year that the Bears win one of these two games against Minnesota. (laughs) Doesn't matter how bad they are. Doesn't matter who's quarterback. Doesn't matter who's the head coach. The Bears find a way to win every year one out of the two games against the Vikings. Doesn't matter how good the Vikings are, how bad they are either. Very rarely do the Bears sweep the series. Very rarely do the Vikings dominate during their quarterback play and their coaching situation over the past couple of years. Nothing is guaranteed this weekend. And it's very much possible that the Bears could upset Minnesota. Maybe Justin Fields goes off. Maybe finally things start to click for the Bears offensively, defensively. But as I took a deep dive into the numbers, into the situation for both teams heading into this game, I have to say I'm not optimistic here. I've been 4-0 in my pick so far. Hopefully it's 5-0 this weekend. I don't see this going well for the Bears on Sunday. Now, there are many reasons why it won't. For one, Justin Fields has proven nothing yet, and now we're entering week five. Will the pass protection be there for him to make plays? Will David Montgomery be back? Will the Bears run the ball at their same effort and same pace? Will Justin Fields make throws? Will Justin Fields throw a touchdown pass? That's a fair question. (laughs) Will the defense pressure Minnesota? and Captain Kirk Cousins. Stat from today, the Vikings have been much improved on the offensive line, but there still are some holes that need to be worked out. The Vikings have allowed 56 pressures on the season, with 33 of them coming from the interior, along with five of their seven sacks given up. The Vikings have problems on their interior O-line. Will the Bears pressure it? Will the Bears call blitz? Will they find a way to get to Kirk Cousins, who's immobile, who's very much a pocket passer, and who is a good statistical quarterback, but around 15th best in the NFL? Will the defense come to play? 
long-winded way for a short question. Will the defense come to play when they know they have an opportunity to get to Kirk Cousins? But here's the real thing that's going to separate this entire game. That's going to show who's going to win or lose. Will the Bears contain Dalvin Cook? What do you think the answer is to that? The last three seasons, Dalvin Cook has 3,850 rushing yards. The Bears have the league's worst run defense, allowing 183.3 rushing yards per game. Dalvin Cook has almost 4,000 yards on the ground alone the past three seasons. The Bears right now are averaging, giving up 183 rushing yards a game. How do you think it's going to go on Sunday, and what do you think is going to be the big difference maker in this game. Bingo, Dalvin Cook. Look, if the Vikings had a mediocre running back or a mediocre run game, I would actually say this would be more even than people think. The Bears have played every opponent with the exception of maybe the Packers. Well, they've been in every game. They should have won last week. And the reason why I was mad about last week was not because they lost, but because they could have won. And they should have won. And they blew it and they gave it away. To the freaking Giants. Bums. Now you have an opportunity to try and make a comeback this weekend, but the Vikings are rolling. 3-1, and one, new coach, new GM, same quarterback, same running back, but a couple of new pieces for the Vikings this year. A referendum, similar to what we saw last week. The Bears could have hired Quasi Adolfo Mensa. They chose not to. I think that was a good choice, but the Vikings then got him. That's their new GM. Bears could have had him. Bears could have had Kevin O'Connell. They chose at Eberflus. So once again, we see a referendum here. Another situation in which the Bears are facing a team with a new head coach, new GM guys they could have hired but chose not to. It's not to say that if the Bears lose, they made the wrong hire, but again, if you were in their shoes, you'd be coaching for your life or being GM for your life. You'd be wanting to win that game, right? Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't want to beat their competitor? On both sides. Quite Sam sure would love to win, right? For Minnesota, wants to show up the Bears and show them, hey, you passed on me. Thank you. Same with Kevin O'Connell. And the opposite for the Bears and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. So this game is going to be rife with expectations, with, I think, hard play, and with competition, which is a good thing. This will not be a blowout game. No question. It will not be. That said, are the Bears going to win it? Probably not. Sucks to say it, but unless the Bears somehow, some way, improve on their run defense in one week, don't see it happening. Not at all. You're going to tell me you're going to contain the best running back in football? And yes, I said it, because that's pretty much true. At this point, I can't name another running back better than Dalvin Cook. Maybe Derrick Henry when he's healthy, Jonathan Taylor. So maybe top three. Dalvin Cook is a great running back when healthy. The Bears are averaging... 183 yards given up per game on the ground alone. How do you think this game's going to end? Kirk Cousins is going to do what Kirk Cousins does. Probably two touchdowns, one pick, two touchdowns, no picks, and a 70% completion percentage. They're going to run the hell out of the football late. The Bears are going to have no answer to the run game. And then offensively, we don't know what to expect from Justin Fields and company. But my guess is, if last week was any indication... It's not going to be amazing. It'll be better, I'm sure. Maybe, hopefully, no interceptions, no turnovers. But 
when you have no protection, when you're a growing quarterback and you're making mistakes too, it's not going to be a good outcome. This is the Vikings game all the way. Vegas has seven-point favorite for Minnesota. I could see it. I could see Minnesota pushing that bet, right? Probably winning by seven. I just don't think the Bears are winning this game. The Bears' offense has been stagnant, and nothing's really gotten better yet. Maybe it will in 10 weeks, but not right now. And the Vikings are clicking, for the most part, on all cylinders, and that's good for them. I'm happy for them. Hey, you hire a new head coach, new GM, you stick with Kirk Cousins, good luck there, and you have a great running back, and for now they're winning, good. Congratulations. See what you do come January, but congratulations for today. The Bears are certainly not at that point. They have a lot of holes on their team that need to be fixed. That said, they have been, to their credit, competitive. Competitive to a point where I get pissed when they lose because they should have won, and that's a good sign for a team that should be rebuilding. But I don't expect the Bears to win this game. Sorry to say it. Not going to be sipping Kool-Aid again. I really don't see it. Unless somehow, some way, they contain Dalvin Cook, then if you force Kirk Cousins to throw or be in the move in the pocket, you have a great chance to win because chances are he's going to throw a pick, he's going to fumble the football, or you're going to sack the hell out of him. So that should be the game plan for the Bears. And as I mentioned, the Vikings' interior offensive line does have problems. 56 pressures on the season, 33 of them coming from the interior, along with five of the seven sacks given up. So for the Bears defensively, you better be blitzing the hell out of the interior offensive line and pushing in the trenches and get to Kirk Cousins. It's not a hard strategy. It's just can you get it done? The way the Bears could win this game, I doubt it'll happen, but let's say they do. Pressure Kirk Cousins. Force Kirk Cousins to make plays. Force interceptions. Force fumble. Sack the hell out of them. Then contain Dalvin Cook. You do all that, you're going to win the game. Because the Vikings will have no offensive production whatsoever. The best part is, we know the Vikings' interior offensive line is weak, so there are ways to get to Kirk Cousins. There are ways to force turnovers. So it's not impossible for the Bears to do this, but they have to execute. As we've seen all year, they just can't do it. They can't execute. Young team, rebuilding team. Some of these guys won't even be here come next year, and that it is what it is but they're not executing. They're not supposed to, per se, but I find it frustrating when you're facing the crappy-ass Giants and you can't even score a touchdown, and you let Daniel Jones run for two touchdowns. That's the problem. That's why I was mad. Like, if the Bears this weekend, like Kirk Cousins, waltz in for two or three touchdowns, I'm going to be pissed because Kirk Cousins is not a running quarterback. He can barely move in the pocket. And if you pressure him enough, he will make a mistake. You could do it. You could force it out of him. That's where there's going to be frustration. Because the Bears have, at least last time I checked, a defensive-minded head coach. And all these players are supposed to be embracing the hitch principle. We didn't see that last weekend at all. We saw none of it. As I said in my interview today with Dan Wiederer, it was anti-hitch principle. It was completely the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. Of course, it's going to be interesting to see how Justin Fields does. I think he's going to do better. I think he's going to have a decent game. My guess is 200 yards, one touchdown, no picks, maybe a rating of around 90. Not horrible. 
very serviceable at quarterback. I could totally see that. I could see the opposite, too, but I'm trying to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. You are facing the Vikings. It's not as elite a team. Certainly possible. Whoever is going to run the football is probably going to run for a lot of yards, whether it's Montgomery and Herbert, whether it's one or the other, depending on who plays, Ebner maybe. Somebody will run for nearly 100 yards. So I can tell you right now there will be positives this weekend. There will be things we could talk about on Monday. There just may not be as many. And this game's going to be contingent on the Bears' pass rush and their run defense. And, of course, Justin Fields and company doing their jobs offensively, but if you cannot contain Dalvin Cook, it won't matter. The Bears could put up 40 points, but they're going to lose if you can't contain Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins there. Something to think about. Score prediction on this one's going to be difficult, but I'd say the Vikings win outright. 28 to 21. Feel like the Bears will put up three touchdowns. Feel like this is probably going to be their most encouraging game offensively we've seen all year, which is nice, but I don't think they're going to win. And I do believe the Vikings will put up decent points on this Bears defense. It's common sense. It's common sense to me. You're facing Dalvin Cook, and your run defense is giving up 183 yards. I mean, case closed, right? Case closed. It's easy. We we can see it. We know it's coming. We're all from Chicagoland, the Midwest. It's like when you know at 6 p.m. at night there is going to be a severe thunderstorm. There might be a tornado. We know it's coming. We're just waiting for the time to come, right? Severe thunderstorm warning. Yes, we, we know it's coming. We know it. I know. Same thing here. We know what's going to happen to an extent. Maybe Justin Fields will surprise, but come on. We know how this is going to go. We know what Minnesota is going to do offensively. And that's going to be the biggest downfall for the Bears on Sunday. I'd love to give them more of the benefit of the doubt, but defensively I can't do it anymore. You're giving up way too many yards to mediocre running backs at times. Others, pretty good running backs, but still. Hey, Daniel Jones last weekend, for all intents and purposes, was a running back, and he's sure as hell mediocre, and the Bears let him get two touchdowns. Scary. Scary stuff. They let Aaron Jones run wild. Saquon Barkley run wild. This stuff just continues to keep happening, and now you've got Dalvin Cook, another elite running back. Do you really think, in your right mind, that the Bears are going to do something to contain him? Whatever idea the Bears brass has over at Hallisall, it ain't going to work. I'm telling you right now. So if I were the Bears, I'd try, and I would hope that you could force more passing attempts than jam the inside, the interior offensive line, and get to Kirk Cousins. That's how you're going to win. But the Vikings aren't stupid. The Vikings know how they could win this game. Run. Just run the football. Have Kirk Cousins be the game manager that he is, and let Dalvin Cook fly. And that's how they're going to win. If they have to put the ball in Kirk's hands and trust him to win, the Bears could pressure him and maybe force a turnover, force a pick or a fumble, or force Cousins to be sacked so many times that he has no idea what he's doing. So if I were the Bears, I'd do everything I could to force Minnesota to pass and then blitz the interior. But if you're the Vikings, run the hell out of the football and you're going to win easily. And that's the situation as we head into this weekend's game. I hope the Bears win. I hope they could do something. I hope more than anything, even if they lose, that Justin Fields does something, a promise for once. I know it's not all him. I know there are other problems on this team, but Justin Fields has made significant mistakes each and every week. He's missed reads. 
He's turned the ball over way too many times. I mean, there are so many things we could get into here. We need to see some improvement. Justin Fields has not thrown for a touchdown pass since week one. Say whatever you want. That is unacceptable. He's the worst-rated quarterback in football. Unacceptable. There's no way you could justify to me, hey, watch out, look, look how good he's doing. Not doing good at all. At all. It's ugly. It's horrible. It's bad football. We need to see something out of him this weekend, no matter what. I don't care if the Bears win or lose, but I care about seeing Justin Fields win. I care about the Bears winning a game because of Justin Fields or being in a game even. Don't even have to win. Be in a game because of him. That's what I want to see this weekend more than anything. Be in the game because of Justin Fields. Wow, he led them in a big drive in the fourth quarter. He led them down the field for a touchdown. He threw a deep pass. Let's see him do something to benefit the Bears Instead of hurt him. No picks, no fumbles, no not being trusted because he can't do it. Let's actually see the Bears trust him, call plays, and let him ride and see what he could do. That's my challenge to Fields and the Bears for this weekend. They want any idea to win, I told you how they could do it. Defensively. But offensively, we need to see something from Justin Fields. Time's ticking. I would hope that this weekend at least we see Fields turn it on and, I don't know, throw for a touchdown at least. Something. If you're betting, I would take the Vikings here. 28-21, my prediction. Going to be interesting to see how this plays out. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Dan Wiederer comes up next, so stay tuned. And we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the Bears beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, host of the Take the North podcast, and a contributor to 670 The Score. Please welcome Dan Wiederer to the program. Dan, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, always good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. What do you make of that Bears-Giants game first off? Uh, it's sort of a snapshot of what the next three months of our Bears experience is going to be, right? It's a team that is... Uh, under-talented, uh, underperforming, and is going to lose some ugly games throughout the year. And a, 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 what we all knew coming into this was going to be a re- rebuild year. I think most discouraging about the loss, John, was that the Giants were so beat up, right? They came into the game missing so many key players, and then they lost up to, I think, eight guys in that game that left the game with injuries, and the Bears still couldn't take advantage of a depleted team and get on the right side of the scoreboard. To leave New York without scoring a touchdown is just another sort of piece of evidence piled on to the fact that this passing game is broken and they can't get their young quarterback unlocked. And so here we are, right? Uh, Yes, the Bears are two and two, but yes, we all know what we're seeing with our eyes as well. Who's most to blame for their passing game issues? I think there's so much blame to be distributed that it's really hard to just try to single one person out. I know that sort of the knee-jerk reaction in Chicago is, when the offense is failing, the first thing you do is you point right at the coordinator and you skewer the call, the play calls, and you skewer the scheme, and you say, that guy's a bum. But when you look through the video of that game a second and third time and you see the number of plays that are there to be made that are malfunctioning because of player execution error, right? Sometimes it's the protection just breaking down completely. Like the, the ball that Justin fumbled is going to be a big game, right? It's a, a well-designed play that is executed well by the tight end and the receiver, and equity of St. Brown is uncovered on a crossing route. And Justin needs about 
three quarters more of a second to be able to get that ball off. Instead, Braxton Jones and Sam Mustafer get beat. His right arm gets hit. It's a fumble. They lose the ball. The Giants turn it into a touchdown, right? This is how bad teams lose football games. But, they, you know, sometimes it's the protection. Sometimes the receivers aren't getting open. Sometimes things are, are unfolding the way they should. And Justin just isn't reacting quick enough or with the right decision. And so you've got this all-encompassing failure that they need to get figured out because this is going to be a long, long year if this is the type of offense that we're subject to from now through January. Why is the pass protection just so mediocre? Well, look, I mean, you're starting a rookie fifth-round pick at the most important position on the line. Uh, Sam Mustaver has been starting for you at center for the entire season because Lucas Patrick suffered an injury in training camp. Now Cody Whitehair is gone for at least a month, probably longer, with his knee injury. And so, so you just don't have the horses up front. And so when you don't have the horses up front, you've got to plan around that. And they did leave a back and a tight end in for pass protection a lot against the Giants. And it still didn't hold up. And the Giants sent a lot of different blitz looks at Justin Fields and they couldn't handle them all. And they just have never established sort of the consistency offensively that gives you the rhythm that then gives you the confidence that then allows you to score points. How much has all this affected Justin Fields performance and his development this season? This is the long-term worry. And I'm hopeful that they can get this figured out here in the month of October, because if Justin starts developing bad habits because of all the things that are going on around him, that is a lot of times really difficult for a young quarterback to break, right? And that's where, uh, you know, good quarterbacks with potential suddenly hit this steep slope of regression and they never recover from it, right? And so that's why we're at this danger zone with Justin and his development right now in trying to hope that he can retain sort of that mental fortitude, that trust, that confidence, even when it's not even warranted, right? You've got to, as a starting quarterback in this league, sort of trick yourself into believing, okay, I'm protected. I'm going to stand back here. And even if I take a shot to the jaw on this play, I'm going to stand back here and make the throw I'm supposed to make. And, and, and so there's a lot that come, comes into this where they, they have to be very careful at making sure they don't put Justin on that, that steep slide that, that I think most of Chicago is worried about. And I think, John, that's where this conversation has gotten so heated and passionate this week is that I, I think people's biggest worry is still in front of their eyes and they, they haven't been able to push it to the side and say, oh, we don't have to worry about that. And the biggest worry for Chicago Bears fans is that Justin Fields ain't it. And if Justin Fields ain't it, a already demanding rebuild gets that much harder. Dan, you're saying blasphemy here. You can't be saying that Justin Fields may not be it. I mean, there have been a lot of arguments about that this week, but I think it's a warranted point to make. I, I, yeah. I mean, look, like you have to prove to us that you are it, right? And, and Justin now has gone three consecutive games without a touchdown pass, right? He hasn't had 12 completions in a game this season. We all said there was a monsoon in week one throughout the passing game stats from week one. Well, that's the only game in which he has thrown a touchdown pass, right? Was in a monsoon. He threw two of them. <laughs> hasn't had one since, right? So they've had 36 drives since they last put the ball in the end zone via the forward pass, right? Like this isn't <laughs> Red Grange's team anymore that we're talking about. So, so let's get that thing unlocked. Let's try to get the young kid some confidence. And then maybe when he comes to his weekly news conference on Wednesday, he doesn't have that hangdog look and that, that, that agitation that's I think everyone has been taking note of that, that Justin just doesn't look like he's enjoying this right now. And at some point, that's got to change for him and the sake of the entire team. How likely do you think it is that Fields totally regresses and turns into, I guess, what we would say, a bust? I mean, is that where do you see that right now when you watch Fields and when you see his demeanor in press conferences? Do you see him on that path yet, or is there still some hope? No, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say he's on that path yet, but I would certainly say that that path's entrance is still open, right? And, and that the Bears have to make sure he doesn't get on that path. And that's 
that's sort of the, there's this pivotal point right now in his development here, even though it is, you know, four games into a new system with a new regime, you got to be very conscious of that, particularly in a market like this, where, where the uh, avalanche of criticism isn't going to slow down if you continue to struggle, right? Like people are worn out of, of being told that they need to be patient while they figure out the starting quarterback position, right? It's, it's been 30 years. They just went through this experience with Mitch Trubisky. It didn't work out. And so, so that's not Justin's fault. It's not Luke Getze's fault. It's not Matt Eberflus's fault, but it also isn't going away. And so they have to understand the dynamic that they're in. And that's all part of uh, the, this thing. It look, look like Justin has playmaking ability. It's just got to start showing up more frequently on game days. You have to be able to put together a drive in which, you know, two or three plays are on script games, right? So many of their plays right now, are the tuck and run, scramble, off script stuff that you you got to start getting stuff to be unlocked within the confines of the system you're running and within the, the scheme of the playbook. So Bears fans gave Mitch Trubisky four years. Are you willing to give four years to Justin Fields as well to prove that he's the guy for this team? I don't know that I was willing to give Mitch the fourth year, right? Like I, I think I knew at that point coming out of 2019 that we had seen enough that, it, you know, this was headed where it was headed. And where it headed was Mitch lost his job and then Mitch got, you know, went to Buffalo and then Mitch got a new job in Pittsburgh and then he lost that one. Right. And so, so the league let us know where they think of just uh, of Mitch Trubisky, the way that we already kind of knew that. And so, listen, I, I, I've told people a lot that if you're expecting a definitive answer on who Justin Fields is as a quarterback at the end of 2022 in a positive light, you're crazy. I think the only definitive verdict we can have at the end of this season is that he ain't it. And that's going to take three more months of this kind of struggle where you say, man, it's overwhelming evidence. He just went through an entire second year without showing any progress out of any growth. Now you've got to turn your eyes forward, but I would expect somewhere in here, there's going to be flashes of brilliance, right? And, and it's going to change the tone for a week, maybe two, if we're all lucky, maybe three. And then all of a sudden you're going to get to the end of the year and you're going to say, well, there's enough here to believe in. So let's give them the third year. The third year should be telling, right? And, and by, the, by the time you get to the end of the third year and you've got to make decisions and, and, and figure out where you're going with your team, uh, so I guess that was a long-winded answer to say, no, I'm not willing to give him four, <laughs> but I'll give him the third and, 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 and not, I'm not dead set on, on having to uh, put my verdict in at the end of this season. And we were here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, what have you seen defensively from this Bears team? You know, there's some bright spots and, and probably the brightest spot right now is Eddie Jackson and, and seeing the resurgence of Eddie Jackson has been very promising for a guy that went two consecutive seasons without a pick to have three in the first four games tells you, okay, Eddie Jackson still has ball skills. Eddie Jackson still has an awareness of the football field. Eddie Jackson is still good in space, and Eddie Jackson can still make plays. That's a bright spot. Roquan Smith has had his moments. Up front, I think you're looking at a, a defensive front that's not sturdy enough to consistently stop the run. The numbers bear that out. And even against the Giants team that the Bears knew was going to be one-dimensional and that they were going to just stack up and, and try to stop Saquon Barkley from beating him, he still ran for a, a, a buck 30, and Daniel Jones got out on you for two touchdowns and 49 yards in the first half alone. Uh, so they've got to find more talent and more depth to their defensive front to be able to be sturdier against the run. Uh, I would expect that would be a priority in both the draft and free agency next year to get so, so some more firepower up there. Uh, and then you just need, you need to, to, to hope that some of the growing pains that guys like Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are experiencing now are uh, beneficial long-term, right? That these guys are sturdy enough to handle those things to grow and, and then look back on these and say, man, I'm really glad I went through some of those rough patches as a rookie because now I'm a, a playmaking starting standout. How embarrassing were those two Daniel Jones touchdown runs? <laughs> well, you know, two breakdowns in two different ways. And, and you just say, boy, like somebody on your defense has to be aware and you can't lose contain 
of the quarterback on the bootleg. Right. And, and, and it's just, yeah, it, this team doesn't have a, a real wide margin for error. And when you make mistakes like that, they lead to touchdowns and those touchdowns lead to you getting beat. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it's rough because you, you know, you, you get to the end of the day and you say the bears defense did only allow 20 points. Right. And for the season, they've kept them in pretty much every game with the exception of maybe the green Bay game. Um, so they're keeping them around, right. To, 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 to win games. And that's the formula right now, but man, you got to make sure that you take care of the basics and those two Daniel Jones touchdown runs were, were, were there were some basics missed John. And, and, and then you see where the, it ends. It ends with Daniel Jones celebrating in the end zone. Didn't look like they were employing the hits approach there. I think that was anti hits approach, right? Anti-hits and anti-hits also <laughs> on, on the fumble recovery effort when Justin fumbled, right? I mean, there's a, a loose ball on the field and there hasn't been a whistle blown. And, and yes, it's a, a weird play for that fumble to come from behind, right. but still, you know, if you're a football player in Matt Eberflus's system, you understand what they're grading you on and they're grading you on effort to the whistle. And when you don't show effort to the whistle, and then that lack of effort results in the turnover, that's a, a colossal, uh, critical no-no felony in the hits principle uh, <laughs> law book, right? What do you think about Matt Eberflus as a coach? Still trying to figure it out, John. I really am. I'm still trying to figure out what the magic sauce is here. I think that there was a, a, a good surge and, and a notable surge of initial buy-in and belief from this team during the spring and summer. That comes with most new coaches, right? I, you know, I've said it before that, that Mark Tressman had that and John Fox had that and Matt Nagy had that and it didn't work out for any of them. And so my, my concern or curiosity more so is to see how Matt Eberflus is able to steady this team when they're three and six or four and eight. And we get later in the year and, and, and the hits principle isn't paying dividends in the win column and players are starting to get physically and emotionally fatigued. How do you get back? How do you get them back up to, to see the long view of this? Right. And, and that this, these are standards that need to be set so we can be successful up the road. There's a lot in front of Matt the rest of the year. And obviously you know, he doesn't get a pass just because he's a defensive minded coach for Justin's development, right? Like you've put together the staff to oversee Justin's development. And so you are going to be held accountable for Justin's progress. You know, it, it, it feels like we're in this weird zone because we knew Matt Nagy had his hands all over Mitch Trubisky, right? Here you're like, well, Matt kind of does, but it's more Luke game. Well, no, M Matt Eberflus is the head coach of this football team. He's got to be held accountable for Justin's development as well. And so we got to see something from him in that regard as well. And he's never done it, right? He's never developed a quarterback at any stage of his coaching career for obvious reasons. Do you trust in him and Poles to lead this team forward? Do you trust in the plan so far? If I'm a Bears observer, I only offer trust if trust has been earned, right? And this, this organization has given you all the evidence you need to know that you shouldn't trust anyone, <laughs> right? Like they, they haven't had a run of sustained success probably since you were born, John, to be quite honest with you. I, 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 you know, I think their last stretch of three consecutive winning seasons was in the late eighties, right? I was just a kid back then. Uh, so look, there, you have to earn trust <laughs> from, from folks in Chicago with the track record of, of failure that this organization has had. Um, I, I certainly am willing to offer them the benefit of the doubt four games into their first season and, and continue seeing their philosophy and their approach play out but yeah I, I don't know that i'd be willing to uh, do the trust fall if you will and <laughs> stand on the edge of a table and fall backwards into their arms just yet when do you expect them to be good again i mean next year there's going to be tons of cap space you would presume there's going to be money spent is that kind of the timeline or what, what do you think you would hope that they could be competitive in 2023 right that they can go out with draft capital and, and free agent money to spend and add talent to this roster now again so much of this is hinging 
And what does Justin Fields do with the rest of his second season? How much growth does he make? Does he look like the answer at quarterback? Is he a guy that can win games for you as opposed to just being a guy who's along for the ride when you win? And so they've got answers uh, or they've got questions to answer really in the next uh, 13 games and 14 weeks here. And it isn't going to be easy, right? Like that, that's why I think your initial question about the Giants game is so poignant because it's like, this is, this is what you're up against most weeks. There is no easy game on your schedule, right? The easiest game on your entire schedule was the Texans at home and you needed a last second field goal to win, right? So that, that's what you're up against for the rest of the way. There, there's going to be no breather here. And so, so the Bears have to understand that. Uh, and, and until they show uh, significant progress from the way they're playing now, I'm not willing to raise the bar for 2023 too high because I just I need to see more from guys that that, that you hope will be long-term playmakers. Well, to come with Dan Biederberg in just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Dan Biederberg still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the score. You're now a contributor there. You're hosting the new podcast. How did it happen? Yeah, really wonderful opportunity, John. And thanks for asking about that because it's been fun to reunite with David Haw, who was my colleague for many years at the Chicago Tribune before he went into Sports Talk Radio. And we've had just such a good time getting this thing off the ground. I think we're both uh, feeling like there's so much growth ahead of us to to take this podcast to new levels, but it's been so refreshing to just kind of uh, revive those conversations, right? And, and, and to be able to talk football, David's football mind is as sharp as any you're going to get in the city. And, and, and so to be able to exchange thoughts, you know, two, three times a week has been a lot of fun. And I, I you know, a lot of credit to, to Mitch Rosen and Odyssey and everyone else that ha- has opened the doors for us to, to give this a whirl. And, and, and so let's see where we can take it because it's been, been a lot of fun. And hopefully, like I said, I can tell people all the time, hopefully the content will be more positive at some point, right? Like <laughs> I would love to be able to, uh, have people tell me, hey, Dan, you're being too positive. I don't get a lot of that right now, and, and, and you understand why. <laughs> why do you think you get those comments? I mean, I know why, but why do you think you get all those comments? Uh, uh, accusing me of being negative, you mean? Right. Because, because I cover a football team that loses every year, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, I'm in my 10th season. I haven't covered a playoff win. I, you know, I've, I've, I've documented that so many times. I, I've only seen, seen one winning season you know, in the first nine, this one isn't ending there. You know, I, I know where the, this is the shoots and ladders game. We're going down the shoot at some point on, the, on this board. We're not getting to the end there. So I, you know, you can only cover what's in front of you. And that, that's what I tell people all the time. Look at, you know, like you see this, this book above me that I wrote uh, about North Carolina basketball winning the national championship in 2009 that, well, you know, that that's a, a pretty fun book to read because I covered a team that won a championship. Right. And so, <laughs> so coverage of championship teams is naturally more positive than coverage of mediocrity and bottom feeding teams who are constantly rebooting. So that's, that's my answer to that one. You were with the Vikings too, right? How, how was that experience compared to now being here with the bears? Yeah. Two years with the Vikings. And the second one was Adrian Peterson's MVP season, which resulted in, in the Vikings get, getting kind of a surprise playoff berth. Now they lost their playoff opener to the Packers. Christian Potter was their starting quarterback at the time and he was hurt for the playoff game. So they had to go to Lambeau field with Joe Webb as their starting quarterback, John, you know how that one ended up. It did not end up well for the Vikings, but that was a really fun season to watch that team sort of believe uh, to watch Adrian Peterson. Remember not just win the MVP award, but win the MVP award after tearing his ACL on Christmas Eve of the previous season. I mean, the timeline for his recovery and what he did that year was, was physically remarkable. Uh, and so that was, that was a, a really cool year to be a part of 
the one that I compare in Chicago is 2018, right? Like we had a lot of fun in 2018. The Bears won 12. They won a division. They got on that heater to, to end the year where I think they won nine of their, their final 10 in the regular season. And, you know, you, you get on runs like that and, and, and all of a sudden there, there's a surge of, of energy that is, it, you can't hold it back. And so uh, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting at the bus stop for the next one that the Bears want to put us on. Dan, before we finish up today, last question, what's the ugliest game you've had to rewatch? Man, uh, you, you needed to give me like four days notice on that one so I could go back through because, <laughs> because, because the list of nominees, John, is, is it's, it's so long, right? Like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking back in my head to the Jimmy Clausen start in Seattle when the Bears had 10 possessions and punted 10 times, right? Like that, that wasn't exactly a, a real a thriller to go back through. That one pops off the top of my head. Obviously, the, the Cleveland game last year and Justin's first start was a disaster as far as game plan and execution and production and everything that goes with that. But that's just two off of a, a menu. That's like, it's like one of those cheesecake factory menus. There's like 32 pages on it and you're trying to figure, figure out what, what to pick. Well, Dan, I appreciate the uh, time and I'm hoping, I'm hoping personally that we see some winning football here in Chicago for your sake more than anybody's. Cause I, it, I mean, it must be tough covering the team like this. I appreciate you looking out for me. I think everyone would be happy, if, if, you know, even if we get, you know, I, I, none of us are the delusion that this is going to end with the bears in the playoffs this season, but let's have a, a couple week run where, where, where there's a couple really positive stories and we can actually go into a, a Wednesday press conference and ask Justin Fields about his second touchdown pass in a game, right? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to, to be able to, to throw out there? So let, let's see where they can take it, John. Always appreciate it, Dan, for sure. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to your coverage in the Tribune and with the score, and looking forward to catching up again soon, too. You got it. Thanks, John. Always enjoy it. Great talk there with Dan Wiederer. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Dan Wiederer himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTalman, tomorrow Entertainment. Making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jazzy Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! We're the turtle!